When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Winning Plays podcast is back, and we've gone from Kevin Durant talk in the middle of July to Carmelo Anthony talk at the beginning of September. And my name is Ryan Robb, joined by freaking guest co-host of the Winning Plays pod, Ryan Bernardoni, to check in. He, he, he managed to dodge all the KD talk for the last month and a half, but now Danilo Gallinari is out for the season with a torn ACL. The Celtics bench might need some scoring. And Carmelo Anthony is, is out there in the free agent market for a host of other guys that um, we'll throw around here on the pod. But Ryan, where, where do you want to start here? Do you want, do you want to jump right into uh, Carmelo debate? Do you want to talk about Gallo's injury a little bit and the team-wide effects? Or um, where, where, where would you like to go here? Yeah, well, I guess we jump from, like you said, one all-time great scorer to another, from KD <laughs> to Carmelo, um, slightly less expensive player to acquire at this point. Um, I mean, right, we could start with Gallo, I guess. I mean, when you last recorded, I think that is when it was believed it was just a meniscus, right? Yes. Have, have you recorded since then? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We haven't talked it since the, the ACL, which, I mean... It's unfortunate. I, guess... I mean, obviously, for everybody, it's unfortunate. Like, it, they feel bad for him. Um, you, you know, it's you never want to see any players get in, get injured at, at his age and sort of where he was like, it might, it, I don't think it's gonna be the end of his career. Like he probably will play in the NBA again, but like, it's probably the end of his time as like a productive player, uh, which is too bad for the Celtics because he's got two years. Um, and it's hard to see even when he does come back that he'll, you know, be able to, to get back at the speed for a team that will hopefully be playing at the level that the Celtics were. So it's, it's unfortunate for, for everybody. Um, if you were sort of, going through all of the Celtics rotation players and you had said like, okay, one of these players, you have to have them get injured for the entire year. Like you would probably pick, pick him just because of the role he was playing was a little bit more of a, of a sort of luxury than necessity we think, but it certainly does open up opportunities for, for different guys coming off the bench or maybe for somebody to be added. Like you said, like a Carmelo, Uh, we can talk about him specifically if you want, but like um, it, it just sucks. Like nobody wants to talk about injuries before the season even starts for a new signing curse of the Celtics recently, I guess. It is. And I mean, we've texted about, and you had a, you, you tweeted the, the full list at, at one point of just the, the mid-level guys in the last 10 to 15 years have been just a, it's an ugly, it's an ugly watch. <laughs> what doesn't matter if it's in this era or back in the big three era. Um, it's been a lot of injuries uh, or just guys who just have not fit at all. And Gallo, is falling into the uh, the former category there. 
with the with the player option for year two. And it's it's sad to talk about now, Ryan, but like I don't know if Gallinari is ever gonna play a, a minute for the Celtics now because suddenly that becomes like it's not gonna they're not gonna look to move his contract now, obviously, but if they get to the trade deadline and they have a need and for a player that does not fit into one of their small TPEs, like you're obviously going to use that contract uh, as the, uh, as the filler salary to, to help get a, a deal done. You'd think. Yeah. I mean, even if they do go after a player that does fit into the TPE for tax reasons, it may be that they decide to send out, you know, Gallo instead. Sure. And even yep. if that means that you have to give up a draft pick or something like that, uh, it may really be this, this situation where he doesn't ever, ever end up playing for the team. Uh, and, and hopefully that's not the case. Um, you know, like I said, it's likely that this is sort of the end of his, his productive career, but if the rehab goes well, he's, um, you know, he can, I'm guessing he'll still be able to shoot the ball. Right. He's <laughs> uh, tall and shoot, so I have that. Yeah, exactly. He's tall and he can shoot. It's, it's just the mobility stuff and the amount of time it takes to recover from this, particularly at the age that he's at and, and all the things that it's, like I said, nobody wants to be talking about this. It's really unfortunate. Um, but it, it is sort of where you are and it's a cutthroat business. And yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they do end up trading him, uh, you know, trading him at, at the deadline. Uh, or even next offseason, assuming that he'll now opt right. into into the second year um, because of those things, because of the tax concerns, because they don't have a lot of other large salaries of players that aren't part of the, the core rotation. Um, so they don't really have any. And not that Gallinari's salary is particularly large, but you know what I mean, anything of, of real note. So that, that could be where all this goes, um, which would just be, you know, be, be bad. Uh, I know he won't feel the same way, but you just kind of hope that like, oh, they go and win the title and he's on the team all the way the year and he gets his ring and then all that, which I'm sure it will feel weird for him. But uh, that's unfortunately probably the best case scenario at this point, certainly because they would win the title, the best case scenario for a lot of us. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's such a weird thing. Like these guys, they go and play, you know, you're, you just at 35 years old, you, I know you really want to go play for your national team, but like at 35 years old in the off season coming off of these back to back to back seasons where there hasn't been like big breaks in between, like, you just, it was almost predictable that somebody would go out there and, and pick up an injury. And it just, it happens to be the guy that the Celtics just signed. Um, and so now, you know, where do you go from here? The Sam Hauser, you know, opportunity opens up even, even larger than it looked like it, it would have been before. It does. And, and one last closing thought on Gal before we get into like the internal roster and, and Hauser and anything else they can consider here. The, I mean, Gallinari was a universally, you know, liked mid-level signing from what was out there. But uh, there were some people, um, I think yourself included to that, from an injury concern perspective, there was understandable concern there for a guy in his 30s. On, on the, you know, that was the biggest risk in terms of a signing like this and giving him the player option every year or two makes it, you know, that's a deal you're going to have to add an asset to. Um if you want to move at all, whether for tax reasons or for salary matching reasons. So you just look now at other, I'm going to quickly roll through other mid-level signing guys here. Um, and I don't think any of these guys are going to, would have, should, you know, directly impact whether the Celtics will or not win a title this year. But there are a lot of, you know, it's a few what if situations on there, whether it's a, I mean, there's Bruce Brown out of Porter, DiVincenzo in Golden State. Um Lonnie Walker went to Lakers. I mean, he was going to go to Lakers regardless. TJ Warren, obviously, was the big other big name in Celtic circles. I know that you wrote about a lot this summer. He went for the minimum. Wesley Matthews went for the minimum in Milwaukee. Jermichael Green uh, signed for minimum in Golden State. Um, it's, again, all these guys, the Celtics should not 
this season will not be defined by a Gallinari injury there, but from a depth perspective, from a having one extra guy that can shoot perspective or even defend the wing, um, you wonder again, like what could have been and whether going on another name on that list would have been the a younger name, a guy who's you know a little less injury prone might have been the the play. And some of those guys, I think they probably did, you know, sound out. Uh, I know the guy oh, I'm sure they, I'm sure they pretty did. quickly, but like Otto Porter, right? I'm sure they would have yeah. would have signed Otto Porter if he was available. Like some of these guys, you just they signed before Gallinari did, so obviously they they went to other teams. But Porter went for cheaper though; he didn't go for the full. I think so. I mean, I have to look that up actually. Um, so you get, but the point just being, any you could pick any one of those guys, and maybe they didn't have the ability to get them, uh, even if they offered more money. In some cases, maybe they just didn't have have a role to offer, or they just didn't want to live in Boston. Whatever, right? who knows. Um, and, and hindsight in this case is this is like extreme 2020 hindsight. Of course. But yeah. I mean, would, with the conversation they're having, would they have been better off signing Carmelo Anthony for the minimum for the role that they were envisioning for Gallinari and using the MLE on, on any one of those other players? Right. Yeah. At this point you would say that because he's injured. Um, and when the signing came down and this isn't like a whole, you know, Oh, I knew I got, I did not expect him to get injured right away. Uh, you know, when the signing was sort of leaked out, I, I thing I actually said was like, if this is one year for the, for the MLE, I'm fine with it. I hope it doesn't, doesn't become two years of the player option and all that when I wake up tomorrow morning and then I wake up the next morning and says, okay, it's a two year deal for the player option for the, for the whole thing. And I was like, all right, you know, I don't, I don't love it. But my concern there was more about like tax management and what will ownership be willing to pay over the next couple of years. And it wasn't like, I think that there's this other perfect player who they should be getting, who I'm sure they can get because who knows, like TJ Warren is injured right? He may be back before the end of the year and, and things like that, but you can't sit there and say like, the problem is that Gallinari got injured. So they should have signed TJ Warren who was already injured because they, right. right you, you can't play that game. So I don't have a problem with that. He was the player that they went after. I'm not anything like that. It's just the second year on it because of the age that he is. And because of the type of player he is from the beginning was like, eh, okay, I don't, I'm not like wild about that. Part of that is also that we were like burned by this exact same thing on NS Cantor or NS freedom. Like, that second year player option ended up costing them quite a bit. Um, and, and because the players, like, like you said, in this tier of signings are never a slam dunk, right? Dennis Schroeder no. seemed like he was going to be, you know, seemed like, oh, well, at that money, how can you really complain? And then it was like, oh, actually, this is like a really negative thing, having him on the team and being used in the way he is. And like, how could you anybody have predicted that? Um, even somebody like me, who is not a big, was not a big Dennis Schroeder fan before, I was like, listen, at that money, who, what do you, yeah, of course you have to sign them. Um, and Jermaine O'Neal all the way back into, you know, these players with name recognition or who have had a certain level of play before, like Alinari has, you go after him and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And in this case, it's just like, it didn't work. And yeah, you can look at that list and, and certainly like if they could have, but Wes Matthews signed for the minimum, right? Like, could they have yeah. gotten some of those I mean, guys got, minimum right. anyway? You can go through all of it and say, we, it would have been better off in hindsight, had they gone and got Carmelo for the, for nothing and, given some of the MLE to, you know, to Wes Matthews and been able to sign Hauser for an extra year with the room. Like you can always come up with these things of like, this would have been an ideal, perfect way to do it. But like, it's not, not to blame anybody. Um, Cause I don't think there is any real blame to go around. It's just like, like you signed the guy and he got injured before you played the game. It just, it just sucks. Like yeah, you, you can't, can't right. account for that. And that there's no question. That's like what we're, it, it's, this is the one conversation to have about it because it's just the only time we're going to have it. Um, but yeah, like Gallinari took less money to sign in, in Boston than he did in Chicago. So like they got a, a guy, he was clearly in demand. And it just, again, this was just the, the cons of a, of a contract like that is, is a guy's age and his injury history. 
and now you you know you don't you certainly hope it doesn't pop up um you know a month after he signs an international play but um yeah it's it's it is what it is and um yeah and it's like another the like the other names of like like auto porter he did sign he signed for six million dollars with toronto so i do wonder i'm sure again names like that you mentioned all those names are probably thrown around galinari would have brought much more offensive firepower than porter but it's like it kind of fascinates me like for a market like that if that's something where you know porter liked toronto because he got a bigger role or if you know that a name like that would have been available for the celtics at the at the same price but that's we'll never know that's uh it is what it is. Let's take a quick break first here to hear from our sponsor at BetOnline, where our partners there continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball scores, um, NBA, NBA futures, NFL futures, and all the latest fighting news as well. So BetOnline is your continuing source for all your sports wagering information. From live betting, playoffs, esports, and more, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get into the action. It's bet online where the game starts. But yeah, let's let's talk about internal options here. Because I think from talking around about this, it's I it seems like the team is not gonna, you know, want to see what they have with a lot of these younger guys in the roster first and foremost before, um, you know, looking more at the free agent market out there and, and obviously some, some big names out there. So obviously Sam Hauser is, is the place to start for that. They gave him a guaranteed three-year deal. Um, I think at least a couple of years are guaranteed uh, earlier this summer after uh, he was mostly two-way player year one, hit a lot of threes in the G league, hit threes at a good rate when he, the few times he got minutes up here. And so I guess what, what's the, the, the main question for him really is just like, can he stay on the floor defensively? Because if he can, I mean, the the spacing that he provides will let him at least, you know, maybe take a few minutes off a of great Williams plate. Uh, yeah. I think that that's really the entire, the entire question is, is on shooting. And I think I'll, so he can't, he's not going to replace all the things that Gallinari could do because Gallinari is a much like, Hauser's probably a better shooter than Gallinari because Hauser might be like one of the elite shooters in the world, right? Uh, but in terms of the other stuff that he could do with creation and being able to play in the sort of elbows and high posts and all that kind of stuff, he, he's not going to do that. He's going to be much more of a catch-and-shoot threat uh, and, and then not a whole lot else. Um, and then when you talk about the other players who are out there who are sort of veteran whatevers like Carmelo, I think that's what's left of him as well is just being a sort of catch-and-shoot guy. You really wouldn't want him creating and trying to do the things that he could do when he was younger either. So it does become just a defense question. Um, and there, I think it's even more becomes like a size question because Gallinari, obviously, at this point is not a not a plus defender either. But you were wondering if some of the way that he would contribute is that he would take center minutes. And it wouldn't even be that he would take Grant Williams minutes, it's that he would take like Al Horford minutes and Robert Williams minutes. Uh, and Hauser can't do that. So you end up sort of trying to fill that role with a little bit of a committee, right? Like can, can Cornette or Kevin Gailey or whoever and Hauser together make up for, for what you had envisioned for that. And I think it's certainly worth trying, right? Like, I don't think they need to go out and add, you know, some, another mid thirties guy with a little bit more name recognition with a TPE or something like that at, at the moment, because where you'd have to give up some other assets. Cause like, it's just reality that like the best players in the G league are as good as the worst players in the NBA. Um, it's just that they have a different 
they're at a different point in their development curve. They're what you know, there's a whole a whole host of reasons that there's not perfect distribution of talent. And I think it's completely reasonable that Hauser could be a really good NBA player for a long time here. And and the only way to find that out is to is to let him play. And there's also a certain thing of like you can't complain about losing the Max Struces of the world if you're never willing to right. <laughs> those minutes to that type of player, like to try to and it doesn't have to be the exact archetype of, of Struce at any position. You have to don't to, to like give some of your minutes to figure out what you have, or else you're just always going to lose those players to some other team that's willing to do that because you'll never right. They'll always end up leaving because they'll always seem seem completely expendable. So, you know, like try, yeah, try, and if if it works out great, and if it doesn't, then you've got half a season to to figure it out. You don't need to have a fully complete and formed team on the first day of the of the regular season. You you know, a lot of those things can be done at the trade deadline or, or earlier. So um, I have no problem with them filling out the back end of the roster with some of the guys that they have in on camp invites and, and just trying to, you know, see what they have. Yeah. I think that's the big part of it too, with like your point about Struce and like letting these young guys, this is the perfect situation because it's, you don't necessarily have to, I mean, I guess if, if the team is fully intact outside of Gallinari, like Hauser probably won't play on those nights. Um, unless he, you know, earns those minutes, you need obviously you need one of him and the other camp picks on the roster to to fill in on nights where Horford or Rob Williams is out. But you need to be able to get those guys opportunities, and I think a big part of that is maybe even eliminating some of the veteran opportunities that Ime Adoka would have leaned on in a situation if like if if Melo's here, like Melo's going to play over Hauser because Ime is probably going to go for him, and that's just I mean he's. And that's not a knock on email. That's just, you know, he's trying to win games and that's what he was, you know, trying to do with same thing happened with shooter last year um, over like Pritchard. And we know that was obviously a, a mistake in hindsight, but that's, that's the sort of situation that you're setting up for by bringing in a guy that early. Like if, if Hauser flames out or you know, these other guys flame out in the first month or two, then you can make that switch then. And then, but for now, I think you nailed it. Like you just have to see what you have with these guys. And if, if they can develop or not, or if there's just, you know, if they're too inconsistent now, that's fine too, but you at least you can gauge of where they're at and whether you can expect for anything from them, you know, over the long term as well, based if you give them a real opportunity here in the first month or two. Yeah. It's funny. It's a conversation that I think is happening a little bit with like 76ers fans right now. Um, the Montrose Harrell's not quite as old as some of the players that, that we're talking about here, but like they just yeah. signed him obviously for the minimum. And you look at that and you're like, Oh, he's a productive player. You're getting for the minimum. And then there's people who are Sixers fans who are like, yeah, but you don't, Doc Rivers is going to play him and he's not going to play Paul Reed and Charles Bassey, right? Like he's not right. going to play these younger players that might not be any better, but we don't really know. Uh, and we kind of know what we have here with, with Harrell now. And we know that he's going to play because he's a veteran who has probably made some, some amount of a commitment to at least give him an opportunity earlier in the season to play or else he wouldn't assign there. And you have a coach who's very uh, tied to playing veteran players over, over the course of his career. Um, and, and so you get that same sort of thing where it's like, I know it's a name. I know that there's this history of productivity, but you may have that same thing already on your, on your bench and that it's a player who's younger and has more upside and who's going to be under cost control for, for longer time and all that. And it's just like in a year where you expect to win a lot of games it's hard to commit time to those types of players. It's really easy to do when you're in Oklahoma city, but if you don't do that, then that talent pipeline dries up over time. And you're then constantly trying to chase the next veteran and just hoping that you hit with a Jermaine O'Neal right at the end of that run. Like you just, you have to 
to allow yourself to develop those players and to have some amount of opportunity. And you said that a guy like Hauser might not play on a night when everybody's healthy. You kind of hope that he would and that he would just, you know, it might only be six minutes in the first half or something, but that, sure. that like it would become an organizational imperative to say like, if he has a bad game and he's making mistakes and you're sitting him as coaching, right? You're sitting him not because we don't have any minutes, but because like, I want you to sit on the bench and watch this game. And I want you to see how Jason Tatum does this thing on defense that you messed up every single night. That's a different story. If he's playing up to the level that you expect him to, then you hope that they would find minutes for him to play. And, and also because that means that you aren't putting as many minutes as we've seen on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, all, and players like that, where, you know, you just eat a couple of minutes uh, on these nights to develop those players. And, and that doesn't go on forever, right? That doesn't, you, if you're 60 games into the season and you're in a race for the one seed and, and he hasn't developed in the way that you hope, then obviously things change. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I think that you have to look at this as an opportunity to say like, let's see what we have in some of these other guys who either are younger. And it's in a lot of these cases, like Hauser's not young, particularly, uh, you know, Josh, 20, not Josh 25. Uh, yeah. Kevin Gailey's not particularly young. None of no. these, they're all sort of mid twenties. So you don't expect them to have huge upside, but in some of these cases, they haven't really been in the NBA for very long, or they haven't had many minutes to play. They've gone into different leagues, things like that. Justin Jackson, sort of the same thing. Right. Um, and like, you just, you gotta, gotta give it a chance. You can't, if you, you lose Javante Green, you lose Max Struess. Those guys aren't world beaters either, but like there is a thing of just opportunity and, and committing to that development. And, and those, like, like I said, that there's a much bigger difference between like the fifth and the 15th best player in the league than there is between like the 300th and the 400th player. So there's just not right. Like the gradients of difference flattens out really quickly. And like those players, even though one of them might be 32 and one of them might be 24, their actual productivity is often very, very similar. And you're just talking about role and opportunity and personal belief, right? Like, it's just like your, your level of confidence in yourself to do the things that you actually can do. Uh, and so I, I think that's the real reason to just say like, yeah, but let's run Hauser and, and see well, we know he can do one thing really super well. So let's lean into that. One person who's probably pretty happy about, or not happy, knowing happy, you know, happy when Graham Williams, Graham Williams but, obviously Graham Williams. this is his, his agent probably did a little fist pump. Um, hearing the news that Gallinari will not be available till further notice. Um, contract negotiations can happen up until mid or mid October, I believe. Um, yeah, right, and yeah, right before the season starts. And kind of an interesting contract extension just happened yesterday of Kleber getting three years, thirty-three million from Dallas. Um, similar type role slash player. To Grant Grant's obviously a lot younger than Kleber, um, but also will be restricted. And also will be restricted. Yes. Yeah. So based on that, I do not think, and they're going to lead to deal here if Grant's looking for anything in the teens. Because based on that contract and the restricted tag, like there's there's no reason for the Celtics to to you know offer a lot um, after a guy like Kleber gets that. I my where I've been for a while now is that it's an MLE deal. Right. It's that's where you're offering yeah. because you have to find a team who's going to offer a restricted free agent who, I mean, listen, injuries can happen, development can happen, all that, but who is likely to not be a starter. Uh, and there are teams that he would start on for, for sure. But like, who is the team who's going to look at the 20 minutes a night, 24 minutes a night, whatever it might be, Grant Williams, and has cap space next year? And there are a lot of teams that have cap space, which is the one caveat to that. And the, we expect the cap will increase quite a, quite a bit before this potentially depends on how long this contract that his next contract is. Um, so there's a lot of like things that go into it. 
but under normal circumstances where like you didn't have the TV deal coming, things like that, I, I think it would be a pretty straightforward, like we're going to offer you the MLE because next year in restrictive agency, like you're going to get the full MLE because cap space teams like just aren't, don't chase six men or eight men or whatever, even if they think that for them, they'll be the fourth or fifth man. Um, it, that's where the sort of the, the math of it goes. And you don't contract by their nature, rookie extensions should be team friendly if they happen. Right. Uh, now the teams, they can come to an agreement. They can make a fair deal. I'm not saying that they have to be team friendly, but like they generally favor the team. And so I just think that that's like the number that maybe they go like a little bit above that just to get the work, you know, to get it done or whatever. I don't know, but it's hard. Like you said, once you get into the teens, it's like, why would you do that instead of just waiting out the market and like, who's going to be offering him $14 million a year as a restricted free agent. If he was unrestricted, it would be a totally different conversation, but just all the mechanics at play here. It's like, I just don't think there's that much, even though this obviously opens up a, a significantly larger block of time for him to play this year. And, and that like the best way for him to change things is to, you know, play like a, an all defense player or something like that and, and change the way that he's viewed. Right. Yeah. So that'll be the interesting subplot to watch in the next month. And obviously as the season goes along, but uh, the opportunity will be there for him more than ever, um, whether it's backing up uh, as a backup center or the backup power forward, that role will go back and forth all year long, depending backup on three, maybe. Yeah. Backup three. Sure. That's the thing I've been talking about with people is like, if he defends, if he can defend like he defended Kevin Durant, in the playoffs like you can actually and he can shoot corner threes like you actually there are actually lineups where you can play him as a, as a three yeah. um and not in the playoffs but like in the regular season like right you can totally get by with that if with, if he can move his feet in the regular season like he did in the playoffs last year yeah so that's going to be that's a good point and that's one we'll see depending on how their lineup flexibility goes um they're obviously they have much more deeper in the backcourt now than but they have nothing they have very little at the wing if if anyone goes down in that area so um that's something to keep an eye on all right, let's wrap here with the the free agent market. Carmelo, you do you do you have a strong take on this? Are you we we know obviously how they're going to start the season, but if if Melo is still out there and and Hauser or someone else gets hurt or just doesn't look like they're they're ready for prime time here, are you are you ready to take a flyer on him or is there anyone else out there that intrigues you at all? I mean, I'm not like anti Mello at this point he's sort of settled into the role that people would hope that he would settle into it just took him longer to get there but you know he he's a catch and shoot power forward right um and that's that's fine for he was fine last year he wasn't a you know he wasn't a super negative player last year or anything like that we know what his, what his limitations are at this point my problem with it is a couple is a couple things one is that i think they're likely to only carry 14 for tax reasons if they carry a 15th person and they want that to be carmelo anthony like fine i don't care because I don't expect them to carry a 15. So then it's just like, oh, you're just spending money on it. Awesome. Do that. It doesn't impact me at all. Sure. Um, if you have 14 and you already have Gallinari in that role on the shelf for probably the entire year, and you add another player in their late thirties for that same role, which is kind of a luxury role, like the injury risk there of you ending up carrying two players because waving that, if you were signed Carmelo, he were injured and you would wave him like, it actually costs a lot in again in tax and I the tax doesn't it's not my money if they're willing to spend it well, more power to them if they say we're going to sign Carmelo Anthony and he's going to be our 15th man fine if they sign him and say if he gets injured we're going to cut him and we're going to pay 10 million dollars in luxury tax you know for doing that fine they're great do that um, but if you get into a situation where it's like we are carrying two primarily offensive older power forwards who are injured on our roster and we can't get rid of them for tax reasons that's not something that I'm like super okay with on a 
team with title aspirations and number one seed aspirations. So that's my problem with Carmelo. If Gallinari wasn't on this team at all, and they had, like I said, used the MLE on some other player, I wouldn't be like against bringing in Carmelo. Uh, I, all the things that you had said before about then he's going to play and he's going to block other players. Like I, that's a coaching thing. And that's a different conversation in terms of like, do I think he's still an NBA player who can contribute something? It, yeah. I mean, he did last year. So at, as a minimum signing, like I think there are teams that, and not just the Celtics that like would be justified in giving a minimum contract to him. Yeah. I mean, the Lakers had a lot of problems last year. Carmelo wasn't really near the top. Like he, if you, yeah, he I mean, fine. he's fine. Like he did his, what he was supposed to do offensively. Honestly, probably, played better offensively than a lot of people thought defense is what it is. You know what you're getting there. And it's, it's, it's by and large a disaster. Um, but with, for spot minutes with good defenders around him, that's something you can cover up in the regular season. So yeah, it's the, the, the implications of the, the roster and the tax, like any, any dollar spent right now, especially on a, like, he's probably not a guy who's going to agree to be like a partially guaranteed deal in terms of like, he's going to want to, have the full year guarantee. And I think that's going to be, I'd shocked if anyone comes into camp without that kind of a deal signed with the open roster spots left available. So, um, but yeah, like I'm with you. If, if, if on the floor, I don't have a huge issue with it. Um, it's more of a like blocking development of guys and creating more flexibility down the line and, and money maybe, um, it seems like money is not much of an issue there. It's certainly less of an issue than we thought with uh, the amount of spending that ownership has done already, which is um, certainly encouraging for the team's prospects. But um, that's, you know, I think they are going to start to, um, they're bordering some with some really high um, penalties as you get further and further into the tax there. So that's certainly something that's going to be, you know, monitored closely, I, w- I would think. Yeah. And like I said, I do not know their exact budget. Uh, they've gone, as I've said in other places, like they've spent to the level that I think is what was necessary for them to spend just to support the team. Yeah, in a they've spent a ton here. And they've done some things that involve like incremental amounts that are more than what they really had to spend. Uh, but you do get into a point of like, you know, how much do you want to spend on the 15th man or the 14th man? And, and what's reasonable for a team that probably is not going to play that player and certainly not going to be playing them in the playoffs. Like, I, it's not a thing that I'm that I'm complaining about, and, and like I said, it, but this is more a conversation of like, how do you want to manage your roster, and your budget and development of players? It's not. This is not a Carmelo Anthony is a ball hog who thinks that he's a superstar anymore. Like he he does now understand the role that he's in at his age. He performed it admirably last year, like you said, in a bad situation. He can be an NBA player if he chooses to be. He probably has other offers for the minimum that are out there that he could take. He might just be retired. He I don't know. Uh, he might be waiting. He might be doing a you know, a PJ Brown and waiting until, until much later in the year to, to sign on with the team to save his legs. I, I, we just don't know the situation and I haven't heard anything about it. So um, I'd be fine, fine with it. If, you know, if all those other concerns are, are not concerns for management or ownership, then, then that would be fine. But I just don't expect it to happen. And, and all the sounds that are coming out of like official or semi-official channels have been like, this is not actually going to happen. Right. It's all just sort of noise about like, well, it would make some sense or right. fans are clamoring for it. Like there's, there's not any, I don't think any actual smoke there. All right. One minute left here. Anyone else you want to talk about on the free agent market that even. Well, Dennis you? Schroeder, right. I mean, and it's freedoms available too. Yeah. Jeez. Run the whole thing back. Uh, I think he'll be available for a while. Um, not really. I mean, I think that they actually are fine with, with where they are now. Like, they're probably, like I said, going to keep a 15th roster spot open um, at least, you know, at least most of the way through the season. 
uh, and I don't know who the last spots are going to be between the guys who have camp invites. Somebody will win a spot onto the team. Uh, but I'm fine with, you know, I back up center. Like the, again, that third string, who's the third, who's the fourth backup center is probably still the biggest concern, especially now without having Gallinari, who's able to play in that role. Um, but otherwise, like, like I said at the top, I, it's, I think they're a, like a 60-ish win team. So what, what are the real complaints, right? I think, I think they're fine. Should make for a fun camp with the end of the roster, see how those guys slug it out and see if anyone emerges as a fun, uh, a fun journeyman story there. But um, the internet was, loves a 14th man battle. Listen, Love we need it. it. We need I it. No, I'm not kidding. Like really. Because <laughs> there's not going to be much else going on, like compelling with this team, which is a good thing, which is a, just a sign of the, the continuity and everything they have in place for, for year two of the Emiadoka uh, era. But uh, make sure you're following Ryan on Twitter at DangerCart. As always, uh, a pleasure. Good to catch up, sir. And um, I probably won't. I mean, I guess I'll wait to bug you again in training camp to break down this 14th man battle. That might be the next play. Uh, I look forward to it. <laughs> you, you can tell me all about the inside scoop from the from the, the training facility. Yes, the drinks, the, the two minutes of practice we see at the end of, uh, yeah. of training camp. Josh Jackson looked great. <laughs> look out. Up. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We will be back with you all next week as we get ready for training camp fast approaching at the end of this month here.